Come on, Steve. We've got D in the carpet. Failure is not an option. It's a problem of motivation, all right? Boy's got a mouth like a cannon, always shooting it off. Yeah, something like that. It's the good stuff. And here we go! Shake it back! <laughs> Does that feel good? Yeah, it rhymes. They're both verbs. It's awesome. So listen to that. Welcome back to another episode of Strictly Outside the Lines. Boy, do I have an episode for you. Um, I am just coming back from an incredible weekend away um, where I was in Florida for a business and leadership development summit, which was an absolutely incredible experience because I was there really to to learn about growing my business, my various businesses, um, as well as developing my leadership skills, even my parenting skills. And that's really going to be a big focus of, of the episode. It, you know, is this idea of parenting, what it was, what it is, and really what it can and should be. But at the same time, this episode's not going to be limited to the, the realm of parenting. Um, rather, as one of the quotes I'm going to, to bring to you from that summit um, it really is that parenting is leadership and leadership is parenting. You know, they're very much um, two peas in the single pot together. But the, the kind of the idea here is that everything in life comes from taking one step at a time. Uh, and when you take that approach, you'll be far more successful than trying to run that marathon right off the bat. Now, Let's dive into this more, because here's the thing. While I was away at that summit, um, one of the speakers that they brought in is an individual by the name of Johnny Ager. And what was incredible, actually, is they brought him and his family in to speak. Now, who is Johnny Ager? So, first of all, you can Google him. You'll find him on YouTube. You'll find him in news sources. You'll find him all over the place. He also has a book that he recently released called The Impossible Mile. Um, and it's really, it's an incredible story because Johnny Ager was born with cerebral palsy. And I'll do my best to give you the background information, the background story on, on everything, but I highly suggest you do your own research into him because it's a highly inspiring character. Now, he was, so he was born with cerebral palsy. And when this happened, the doctors basically sat down with his parents and said, listen, your son has cerebral palsy. Here's what it means. Here's what he will be able to do. Here's what he won't be able to do. We can give you these books sitting behind us, which tell tell you all about cerebral palsy, all the limitations, all the specifications, etc. Or you can choose to raise him the way you choose to raise him. And now, obviously, that those weren't the exact words, but the idea is again follow what had been predetermined by us doctors, as this is the truth for individuals with cerebral palsy. Um, and it, again, the way we've seen it in our life is looking at the limitations and that, or you can look at, well, raising him, treating him like a normal child, normal, you know, but I don't want to use that word normal versus not normal. Um, but treating him as a, as a typical child that we, you know, we know of. And what do you think the parents chose? They chose to ignore the books and to look at him as as him, as Johnny, 
and raise him that way. So for them, for their family, Johnny was not, he didn't have limitations. He was not an individual confined to the life of that of one with cerebral palsy. Now, to give more into the, the diagnosis, he was, they did not expect him to walk and they did not expect him to talk. Now, the whole big thing with his journey is it ended up getting to a point where he and his father started running marathons. Now, his father would put him in, push him in these, you know, these real specialized wheelchairs and strollers and whatnot, um, and they would run marathons, and it became a big thing. And then it got to the point where Johnny said to his father, you know, I don't, why should you be doing all the work? So what ended up happening is, as Johnny said, the last mile of each race, I want to walk it. Now, to put this into context, um, from what the parents shared that night, up until that point, when he made that first one-mile walk, Johnny was not able to walk more than 23 steps. And then they started training him to walk a mile. So that's a huge gap from what his ability was. But you know what? He did it. I don't remember specifically if it was they trained for it or he just he got up and he did it. Um, but it's incredible. But then they were invited to do a uh, an Ironman um, in Kona, um, and they weren't able to complete it. Um, it happened multiple times where they started and they got to various stages, but they, they just weren't able to complete it until finally recently, at the time of this recording, I believe they said a couple months ago in Maryland, they actually completed their first Ironman. And that's incredible. And again, Johnny did a, a portion of that, where he walked a portion of that. But it's his father-son team, and it was absolutely incredible. But re what really came out of this whole thing, you know, especially for, for me as a father, standing there listening to this, hearing Johnny, who was told he wasn't going to be able to talk and wasn't going to be able to walk, now he's run marathons, he's completed an Ironman, and he was talking from stage. And it's absolutely incredible. And, and the reason why all of this happened really was because of the support of his parents and the fact that they challenged him and pushed him beyond his limitations. Um, and, you know, for, for myself, that was something that I relate to immensely because I've shared the story with my son, you know, multiple times already. But that was a big deal for us is, is when my son was diagnosed with autism at the age of two and a half, um, and he, we enrolled him in schools and we put him in, and got him into services and therapy and whatnot. Um, and that was something they focused on a lot. They focused on these are his limitations. He's autistic and he will never be able to socialize properly. He'll never be able to do this. And he'll always be limited to X, Y, and Z. When we as parents, my wife and I, that, that didn't sit right with us. Because especially having been in education for 15 years and being an educator, an educator in special ed classrooms, like, I know that that is not true, and, and here's, a, here's the danger, and this doesn't just apply to individuals with special needs or, or disabilities, this applies to anybody, this applies to you as an individual, this applies to you as a parent. When you look at something as these are the limitations, yes, those are what are going to limit you. But if you can look, if you can dream beyond the limitations, if you can look beyond the limitations of whatever is holding you back, and believe in it enough, to actually go after it, you will see that not only will you have the life that you want, but even more so, you'll be able to go beyond that. You know, Johnny said that one of the things that he really wanted to do was he wanted to be a public speaker, and he wanted to be an athlete. And while he wasn't able to play baseball, which is what he, the sport he wanted to go into, he, he said on from stage, you know, again, he's a public speaker now, but from stage he said how that first time he crossed 
the finish line after walking, he said to himself, now I am an athlete. So all those things that he wanted to accomplish, he accomplished. And it may not have been in the original way that he wanted to do it, but it came true nonetheless. And now here's the thing. I'm not telling you this because, you know, these stories are inspiring and, you know, these individuals with special needs or, or disabilities and they're overcoming them. It's inspiring. Yeah, sure, it is inspiring. You know, there's a gentleman by the name of Nick Vujicic who uh, his thing is he was born with no arms, no limbs. Um, but he leads this amazing life. I believe he's a pastor and he, he's a motivational speaker and whatnot. And for him, it's very much the same thing, you know, similar story. He was born with disabilities and he was able to overcome them. And I remember growing up looking at him saying, you know, God forbid, I, I wish I had those challenges so that I can become like him. But here's the thing. It's, it's not that because of their disabilities, they ended up becoming su successful. It's really because of their mindset. It's because of their drive, their motivation to accomplish those things that they wanted to accomplish. And here's the thing, any of us can have that. You know, the whole point with the impossible mile was it was impossible for him to walk that mile, but he was able to do it and he did it. And his whole thing is it's one step at a time, one foot in front of the other. So being there as a parent and a parent of a special needs individual, you know, a child who's neurodivergent with autism and all the limitations that have been placed on our son, and being able to look at that as a father and get validation for how I was acting towards my son, how I was treating him, how I was raising him. Because here's the thing, we did not believe in those limitations. At the same time though, we believed in pushing him and challenging our son. And we've gotten flack for it. And people, when we first shared the information, people were telling us to keep it hush hush, keep it on the tables, don't tell people he's autistic. And it's, it's completely backwards thinking. I mean, again, I understand it. For many people, it's not easy. For us, that wasn't the way to approach it. So coming out of this weekend, I had a lot to think about. I had a lot from a leadership perspective, from a parenting perspective. I think it was highly impactful. And just being there with that community, and again, community is key for success in any area. So being able to be a part of that community is absolutely amazing. But seeing this, you know, it brought up a number of points that I want to reflect on and I want to kind of discuss more. You know, first and foremost, one of the things that I believe it was Johnny's mother mentioned was the way they got through these challenges, because there were still tra challenges. It was not easy. Uh, I, you can imagine, it's not easy raising a child with cerebral palsy and all the medical bills and, that come up and, and just... You know, if he before he was able to talk and communicate, it must have been difficult and, and hard and challenging. And you know, and it's not just challenges for families with individuals with special needs; just regular parenting, or if you run an organization, you know, there are challenges that we face. But one of the things that the mother said was, you know, they would look at these challenges, they would look at all these seemingly bad things that happened in their life, and they knew. And they believed that there was a reason that this was happening. And when you have that level of faith, when you have that ability to look at a situation and say, you know what, this is good. I, I may not know it now. And oftentimes you don't know it right away. Sometimes it, it, it takes time to figure it out. It takes time to understand where this is coming from. But when you're able to approach your challenges, your difficulties, whatever they may be, and you can learn from them, and you can grow from them, you're already going to be successful. Now, here's the thing. It, it's not something that you can necessarily do on your own. I believe that the majority of the time, you need support, and you need a support system. And that is one of the things that, that the Ager family created for Johnny, and really what was amazing is how he ended up feeding into that 
um, to support them as well because he's got two sisters. I believe, if I remember correctly, one of them is a dancer and one of them is also an athlete. But he was their support system. And just as much as they challenged him, he challenged them back. He challenged them to grow. He challenged them to push past um you know, whatever it was that they were working on. The father referenced the fact that every time they, they completed a, a marathon, like the father's ready to, to, to like, you know, turn the towel, like I'm done. And John is like, okay, when, when's the next marathon that we're running? And they always went from level to level to level. They started off with a, a 3K or whatever, a 1K, and then they went to a 3K and then a 5K and then a 12K. You know, whatever the races were, they, they, they did it one step at a time. They leveled up slowly but surely. But Johnny pushed them to do that. And that's something I can see, you know, from our life as well. And look at your children or look at your spouse, your, the people that you have relationships with. Where are they pushing you? Where are they challenging you? Not in a bad way, but where are they challenging you to grow? Because here's the thing, as a parent, if there's a situation going on at home and you're having a hard time handling it, it doesn't mean you're a bad parent. What it means is that there's another skill that you need to learn. There's another skill that you need to develop. My wife is constantly sending me, um, you know, Instagram posts that she's seeing and reels and things like that for, for better parenting. And it's also something we're working on in our personal relationship. Like just the other day, she and I were talking about, okay, how do we take our our relationship to the next level? What can we do to level it up? Because here's the thing, we, we believe in the you know, importance of date night, but how many times does date night end up being sitting in front of the TV watching a show, you know? Then we said, okay, well, you know, we'll just we'll go out shopping. Yeah, but shopping isn't necessarily enjoyable. Shopping for groceries, that's not a date night. So we said, okay, let's figure out a way that we can make it more enjoyable, make it more interesting. And that is the thing. is If there's something that is not working, you need to find a way to fix it. You need to look for the solution. Find a tool, find a resource that can help you improve. It's not that you're a bad parent. It's that you're an unequipped parent. I believe most parents nowadays are not equipped to be parents. And that's by no fault of their own because have you ever been a parent before? I remember when I got married, um, I asked one of my sisters for some marriage advice. And, you know, I said, well, you know, or even before I got married, I said, you know, what, how do you know when you're ready to get married? And she said to me, you're not ready to get married until you've been married for 10 years. And you know what? It's very true because it takes time to get to the place where you, you can be successfully and happily married. But you can expedite that by learning from others who are married with happy marriages and by increasing the skills and tools that you have to facilitate that, that marriage. Same thing with parenting. If, if there's a challenge you're going through, reach out for help. Right now, you know, we're experiencing some challenges with our son. You know, there, there's something going on that we're not quite sure what it is. And so what we're doing is we're reaching out to individuals who can help us, who can give us the tools, who can give us the skill set and the mindset to better help him, to better serve him. If you're beating yourself up for the fact, for the way your children behave, for the way your relationship with your spouse is, for the way your boss treats you, for the way you treat your employees, whatever it is, if you're beating yourself up for things not going the right way, stop beating yourself up and look for the tools. And some people might say, well, it's not that easy. Well, no, it, it really is that easy in many ways. If there's an issue in your life. Remove yourself from that issue. Okay, I, I can't get away from this abusive relationship. Who can you go to, see, to seek help? Um, you know, the, my marriage isn't working out well. Okay, how do you fix that? How do you work on that? Now, obviously, there are certain, certain situations where the solution to certain challenges and problems is getting away. Sometimes marriages just don't work out, and you do need to get away from that marriage. Sometimes, God forbid, people, unfortunately, are in an abusive relationship. So, yeah, you, you need to get away from that. You need to find a way. 
it's not so simple. I, I have kids. Well, you know what? You do have kids, and you need to think about them. I'm not a therapist. I am not a counselor. I would highly encourage you to reach out to a therapist or a counselor or somebody who would you know, be able to help you. And here's the thing. I, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be connected to so many individuals in different industries, and most of them are service-based, and they're you know, based around helping other individuals. So if, if anybody listening to this is in a situation where they are in, in need of drastic help and you feel comfortable reaching out to me, sending me a message, whether through email or Facebook or Instagram, whatever it is, uh, you know, needing to be in touch with a resource, I'm, I'm, I will a hundred percent help you to the best of my ability, and I will do it with you know a thousand, a million times percent um, confidentiality. Because at the end of the day, the the point of this platform is is to help others, not just to inspire them, but to help them in a real, tangible way. So whether it's just somebody you, you need a, a, an ear to listen, um, you need a sounding board to bounce ideas off, or you need some more serious help. I'm more than happy and I'm here to serve in that capacity to connect people. Um, that was a little bit of a side note. But again, back to the topic is look for those solutions. Look for the blessings in the things that that aren't going so well. Um, you know, but one of the other things that really, you know, bringing it back to, this, to the conversation and, and bringing it back to the that, that Saturday night um, speaking engagement one of the things that the family said was what they did with Johnny is they created the environment for him to grow. They created the environment for him to learn and to develop and to push past his challenges. They knew that in the future he was going to have challenges with balance and that he was not necessarily going to be able to you know, catch his balance if he were falling. So from my understanding of what they were telling is one of the things that the mother did was she put him in a rocking chair. And even though he was screaming bloody murder, Johnny's words, um, he was screaming bloody murder and it was uncomfortable to hear that, they still did it. Why? Because it, it gave him the ability to understand balance and lack of balance so that later on he'd be able to work on it and come at it from a better place. So that is the thing is when we're talking about our children, when we're dealing with our children and we need to be able to prepare them for what they're going to have to face. That was the thing with our son. We knew that we wanted to integrate him into a regular classroom. He was not getting the help he needed to the level that he needed from the places where he was currently at. But we knew he wasn't quite ready to transition. So we needed to put him in an environment and we needed to create that environment. And that started at home. So my son, from a young age, I, I challenged him. I pushed him past his comfort zone. There are people that will look at a diagnosis and say, oh, he'll never be able to do X, Y, and Z. You know. Um, he's nonverbal or he's very literally little verbal. Um, so expecting him to say, please, expecting him to say thank you, it's just not within the parameters of what you should expect from him right now. And that was what we were being told. We were being told as long as he said food, that was enough. That's not enough for me. He needs to learn to say food, please. Now, obviously, you have to model it. And that's what we did. We modeled it. And he didn't like it at first. He didn't like that he had to wait longer until he got that word out. But that's just one small example of what we did as parents. You know, he didn't like something and he would get angry and he'd throw something across the room. So we'd get down on his level and we address it with him. We talk to him about it. We calm him down. And there were times when I would have to, you know, physically re restrain him. And thank God I was trained to do it properly. But it became more of a, of a loving embrace and a hug than, you know, you know, negative restraint. But that is the point. The point is, 
you do have to challenge them. You do have to push them. So I, I strongly believe that so many parents nowadays, they throw in the towel and they just don't put in the effort. And a good portion of that, a good reason for that oftentimes, not, not a good reason, but the reason for that oftentimes is because the parents themselves are wiped out. The parents themselves don't have energy. They don't have the time or the patience to deal with it. So seemingly in the short run, it's easier to just say, okay, whatever, yeah, I, I don't want to deal with it. That, I'm sorry, but that's not going to help your child. And it's not going to help you. Because what your child learns is that they don't need to take you seriously. And they don't need to take anything else seriously. That they'll always get what they want. And, and what you're teaching is you're teaching your child to be lazy. And in the future, they're not going to have much of a future because they're not going to have built the skills of resilience. Whereas what we do with our son, it may be challenging, it may be hard, and it might be tears. And you know what? My wife and I are constantly asking each other, are we doing the right thing? Are, are we good parents? And the fact of the matter is, sometimes it may not feel like it. But because we are not giving in, because we are pushing into that, we're leaning into the challenge, we're leaning into the struggle, and we're teaching our child to push through challenges, to face those fears, whatever they may be, it's going to serve them in the long run. And the same thing applies to a spouse. Now, obviously, you have to do it a little differently because you're not your spouse's teacher. You're not their parent. But the same thing with your relationships. You have to lean into the pain, lean into the struggle. Challenge yourself. Challenge your spouse. This is, it's so important, but you have to create the environment for individuals to overcome their challenges. If you are an empl employer and you've got employees, you have to create the environment for them to be challenged, but also create the environment for them to overcome those challenges. It's not about giving them a, a, a you know, a, you know, a, a massive pile of work that they need to get done and, and in a very limited time. That's not called creating good challenge. That's called creating stress. But doing it in a way where you're pushing them beyond their limitations and helping them to see what, you know, what, what is possible, not as what is limiting them. The other thing that was mentioned that, I, you know, I really um, appreciated was, you know, you also have to do things that will create a, a, a better future for them by doing things that aren't necessarily fun. For example... Um, showing up to school, right? As a teacher, I can relate to this. As a parent, I can relate to this. Oftentimes, our kids don't want to show up to school. And I kind of referenced this before, but if your kid doesn't want to show up to school and you give in to that, you're only harming him. You're not helping him. You're not helping her. What you're doing is teaching them that school and education is not important. Now, again, you know my opinion on school. School as it is nowadays is not really done properly. And that's across the board, across the spectrum. And that's not just coming from my own personal experiences from the schools that I've worked at. That's coming from listening to other teachers and talking to other teachers and the experiences that they've had. Most of us feel that school being done now is not done properly. That doesn't mean you don't have to show up. It doesn't mean that your kid doesn't have to show up. You still have to show up. Why? Because the fact that they have to show up to something that they don't like and they don't want to do is teaching them resilience. It's teaching them how to push through challenges. And what it'll do is, if you do it properly, it'll teach them how to take what they don't like and turn it into something positive, turn it into something good. And I don't think we put enough effort into that. I don't think we put enough importance into this concept. You know, when it comes down to it, it's, it's about standards. 
what are the standards and expectations that you have for yourself, for your life, or that you're looking to create for yourself, for your spouse, for your family, for your children, for your employees, for your employer, for your business, whatever it may be. You know, and I'm going to quote for you, I'm going to read for you word for word um, something that one of my mentors said while uh, at this conference. They said, you don't love people by lowering standards. You love them by giving them high standards to reach to. Low standards enable people. High standards give them the self-image, the discipline, and the work ethic they need to strive for more. We are doing a disservice. Now, this is my words. We are doing a disservice to ourselves when we do not give ourselves high standards. If we lower the bar for ourselves, we lower the bar for our children, for our employees, all we're doing them doing is teaching them that they don't have to try. But by raising the standard to a high level, again, that is what we did with, my, with our son. We set the standard high, beyond anybody else diagnosed with his same diagnosis at his level. We set the standard high. And I use this in my classrooms. I've used it in the past, and I use it to today. I expect you not to behave based on the, the expectation of your parents or the diagnosis that you may have if you have one or if you don't have one. Oh, he's not capable of keeping quiet. He's not capable of containing his energy. He's not capable of not being disrespectful. I'm sorry. Those are BS standards. My standards are that you follow my rules. You follow my expectations. You control yourself enough to sit in your seat quietly. Or you have the ability to know, hey, right now, I'm not feeling like I can sit still. I'm going to ask for a break. And that is one of those things that I have in place in my classroom. If there is a child that has too much energy and he's not able to control himself and contain himself and he feels the need to just move around, I have break passes. And they're allowed to let themselves out of the classroom for three to five minutes, run around the yard, whatever it may be, to let out that energy. Same thing with my son. There are standards that we have set in place. And nine out of ten times, he reaches that standard. He goes for that high standard. But there's also systems that we have in place so that he can do what he needs to do. And this is the thing. This is the other thing with parenting. Are we parenting our children to be who we want them to be? Or are we parenting them to be who they're meant to be? Because while the standards need to be high, we also have to really be realistic about what are they capable of. Now, I don't believe that my son can do the things that he cannot do. I don't believe that, you know, again, I'm aware of his limitations. I'm not naive in that way. And same thing with my students, with my wife, and really anybody that I meet. That, that I meet. There are limitations that we all have, but the point is to work beyond them. The point is to work past them. And so that is the thing. We need to start setting high standards for ourselves so that we can work towards them. Because here is the thing. When you work towards those standards, the work itself increases your self-discipline. It increases your self-image, the respect that you have for yourself. And by default, other people see that and they'll reach up to that level as well. They'll start treating you that way. They'll treat you with that same respect. So that was just a powerful quote that I wanted to, to bring to you because it really had a major impact on me. And the other thing is, you know, the idea that was mentioned before is leadership and parenting are one and the same. The way you lead at home is the way you should be leading at office. The way you lead at the office is the way you should be leading at home. Or maybe you shouldn't because maybe you need to change something. But the the tools and the systems and skills you need for, for leadership are the same ones you need for parenting. And oftentimes we need more of a parental role happening 
in the workplace. Another thing that really, you know, I really appreciated from the weekend was the idea of not squishing people's big goals. How many times do our kids, our spouse, people we work with come to us with a big goal saying how much they want to do this? I, I want to become the world's best baseball player. Oh, you know, well, that's a pretty big thing for you to achieve. Well, why? Why are you saying that? What is that helping? You know, for me with the ranch, there are people who, thank God, they've been extremely supportive of me and our, and my wife and our dreams and our goals for having this ranch. And there are people who say, wait, what? Why? Why do you have to be different? Why do you have to have a ranch? Stop squishing people's goals. And here's the kicker. Stop squishing your own goals. If there's something that you want to do with your life, don't let yourself or that voice inside your head or other people tell you you cannot do it. Look at Johnny Eager. He was told he would not be able to walk. He was told he would not be able to talk. And he's doing both. He's a professional speaker and he runs marathons. He finishes that mile. He did an Ironman for crying out loud. Who are you to tell yourself that you cannot do that which you want to do? Who is your community to tell you can't do it? How many times are we taking what we believe other people say or think about us and using that as reasons to not do what we want? I know I was doing that. I said from a religious standpoint, I can't live in a ranch. I can't live on a ranch. I can't live out in the woods somewhere. It's just not right religiously. But that's false. When you look at the facts, you look at the source, you look at how you know Jewish people used to live, they used to live in the woods. They used to live on the farm. Oh yeah, but nowadays in the modern day and age, we're, you know, we have more availability for things. Great, that's fine. I agree with that. Doesn't mean it's for everybody. You know, oftentimes when somebody comes to us with a with a big goal or a dream or a hope or desire that they have, and we put them down, or the other way around, we go to somebody, we tell them about our dream, and they put us down. It's coming from a place of fear for ourselves. If I'm putting you down, it's because I don't think I could ever achieve it, so how dare you try to achieve it? Or if we're going to somebody, we tell them about our dream, and it's the same thing. It's like, oh, wait, why? Because in their mind, they know they're not living up to the standards. They, they could be. And so therefore, they don't want to see you doing that either. So we need to stop squishing our own goals, stop squishing our pe other people's goals. And really, instead of when somebody comes over to you and says, I want to be the world's best baseball player, or I want to open a ranch, or I want to open a coffee shop, Instead of saying why, say how. How are you going to achieve that? How are you going to become the world's best baseball player? How are you going to run that coffee shop? And then support them in that. And for yourself, when you have that dream, that goal that comes into your mind, instead of asking yourself, why, why, why should I do that? Ask yourself, how can I do that? How can I achieve this goal? And the last thing really is support them. When your child comes to you and says, I want to be a ballerina. I want to be a Broadway dancer. Great. How can I support you in that? And it's going to take sacrifice, and it's going to take time and energy, and it's going to take you pushing them and challenging them to be more than what they are right now. But support them in that. And that was the beautiful thing about seeing the Ager family on stage. It, it was a, a cohesive family unit. And the sisters supported Johnny, Johnny supported the sisters, Johnny supported the parents, the parents supported Johnny, the parents supported the sisters. Everybody was supporting each other and pushing each other, and it was amazing. And, you know, kind of to wrap up, I think one of the things that my mentor said that night was very, very profound. He said, 
you know, this isn't about an individual with cerebral palsy who was able to complete an Ironman. This was about a healthy, functioning family who trusted in their faith. They had belief and faith, and they trusted in God, and they were supported by doctors. And that is a thing. How many of us have healthy, functioning families? How many of us have that belief and that faith in God? And how many of us are being supported by the people that we need to be supported by? I think oftentimes what happens is, on the contrary, you know, and I'm not ashamed to admit it, like, my family is not necessarily the most healthy family. And I think there's many people out there as well that feel the same way. And I'm not saying, I, uh, listen, I love my family, and I love, you know, my birth family, I love my, the family I've created with my wife, and then the family I married into, and I'm not, God forbid, speaking bad, but, but most families have dysfunction, <laughs> you know, so it's a matter of getting past that, fun- that dysfunction. It's a matter of figuring out how can we become a healthier family? How can we become better, you know, and working on that? And here's the key thing with that last statement of a healthy, functioning family with belief and faith and supported by doctors. Is oftentimes we put too much pressure and too much reliance on the doctors, on the teachers, on the professionals, when in reality we need to put our faith in God. We need to put our faith in ourselves and trust in our families. We need to put our faith and belief in our children and support them with the proper support that they need from ourselves as well as from, you know, other professionals. So I wanted to bring this to you today. I wanted to kind of bring some of that excitement, some of that information, that knowledge that I got from the weekend. Um, And I really wanted to start this conversation about, you know, proper parenting, both in the home and, you know, in the workplace. Welcome to the conversation. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean so much to me if you would let me know by hitting that follow button and the notification bell so that the next time I release an episode, you'll be notified and you'll be able to listen to it. Additionally, it would help me immensely if you could leave me a rating and, of course, write a review. I would love to hear back from you from your feedback, whatever it may be, so please be sure to reach out either through my email, through any of my social media platforms, or by leaving a voice note. I'd say that was a pretty successful broadcast.